Welcome back to Streaming Circles, everyone. My name is August Ricardo. My name is Jesse Davis. And uh, we're here just a little late, but you know what? We have our reasoning. Just just a little bit. Just a we've, little bit. We've had a uh, an interesting couple of days since we were supposed to record. Yeah. Uh, my yeah, I I had events that I had forgotten about, and our guest uh, is has been working a bunch and doesn't feel uh, great. So we have made a decision. August, would you like to talk about this this decision? Yeah. So uh, we moved up what was supposed to be next week to this week. Whoa. And we moved what's supposed to be this week to next week. So we just did a little switcheroo. We did do a little uh, flippy floopity, you know? We pulled a little sneaky on you. Yeah, we did. It was it was a little, a little twist. A little, it was a classic with a twist, you know? Exactly. Friendships have been ruined over this decision. I I, I uh, broke up with my girlfriend. That's a lie. It's a joke. He, yeah. Entirely. I certainly didn't break up with my girlfriend. She bought me a Captain America shield today. She did, and I, I threw a Rolo at it. I he, threw he two did. Rolos. And I deflected them both. It was awesome. It was pretty sweet. She was like, no, you're going to break it. I'm like, well, then you need to get a refund on that shield if that breaks it. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. so, this week is Eddie the Eagle. Oh, Yeah. It's in the title. Okay, fair. <laughs> this week, we are reviewing the movie Eddie the Eagle, and next week, we will be reviewing the first season of the television program Doom Patrol. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> uh, featuring one Emma. We will have... As our very first, first guest. guest. Yes. First of at least three we have so far, confirmed. Yes, and a couple of them a couple times over. <laughs> yeah, a couple of them a couple times over. Um... So, to that end, you were so loud. I am so sorry. I was far too close to this table. I had to scoot back just a, just a scotch. No, that's fair. I don't blame you. Uh, yeah, so you know what? Right now, um, we're in our jerseys. We're in hockey jerseys. Right. And by our, I mean, we're in two of mine. Uh-huh. Correct. And uh, we're going to soar like some eagles. We sure are. But before we do that, what are we going to do, August? We're going to soar into the news. Into the mountains <laughs> of, of news. news. Oh, shit, dude. I'm a little glad that this news week we don't have a guest because we would drone on. See, I would love to hear Emma's opinions on some of this news, but also we would talk for uh, this five po- hours. This podcast would be a week long. Yeah. If... Yeah. It's, it's either like an Irishman in length or. Yeah. So I hope this next week is pretty light because we will do have a lot to say about. Doom Patrol, like a lot, a lot. Like, uh, like the most we've had to say about anything in the entirety probably, of this podcast. Um, probably, especially given the fact there's going to be three people talking about it instead of just us two idiots. Yeah. So should I hop into it? Please do. All right, let's start out light. Matt Damon touches down in Australia ahead of, lore of Thor Love and Thunder Roll. Listen, I've seen several uh, casts for him. A large majority of them calling for just like his fake Loki again, um, and very specifically uh, Balder the Brave, who's a very popular Thor character and also a very popular character in Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, and a cool character, don't get me wrong. I previously thought that Christian Bale would be perfect for this role, and then he was announced as Gore, and now I realize Matt Damon was cast in this movie and that I was entirely wrong as to who was perfect for this role. So explain... Uh... Balder to me, because I... 
Oh, Baldur's not the character I want Matt Damon to play. Oh, who do you want him to play? Oh, Beta Ray Bill. Fucking Beta Ray Bill, dude. Just but give like, me Beta Ray Bill. Please, <laughs> please, I'm begging you. Please, I want Beta Ray Bill. See, please. I believe Taika would put in Beta Ray Bill, but I don't think it'd be Matt Damon. Like, I... Matt Damon would be so good, though. Yeah, I guess. Like, Matt Damon would be so good, though. I mean, I suppose, in theory, like, he doesn't need... We don't need to see... Um, If he's Beta Ray Bill, we won't, like, see him, you know? Like, he'll be just doing the voice of Beta Ray Bill, I presume. He can do the mocap. I mean, he can do the mocap, but I'm like, he wouldn't look like Matt Damon, is what I'm saying. He'd look like a horse man. Sure. Which is the entire reason Matt Damon turned down Avatar, but maybe he's learned his lesson since then. Because he lost out on, like, $200 million? Uh, if Matt Damon had taken the deal he was uh, 10%. originally offered for Avatar, he would have made more money than any actor has ever made for a single role, and it's not close. Yeah. Well, he would I mean, have made like 10 times the amount of money that any actor has ever made for any role I in think, one specific movie. I think four. Well, because wasn't RDJ paid like 50 million for the bundle of Infinity War and Endgame? No. 100 for both. Oh, well then I'm going to guess. 50 apiece. He would have made double. Or he would have made, he made, yeah, he made two four. and a half times. Yeah. So, yeah. I Which don't know. is ludicrous. It is. Uh, yeah, crazy. Um, you know, so the problem, maybe he's learned his lesson since then. Well, apparently he said he felt obligated to the Bourne franchise, and I assume his agent like hates him now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, shall we move on? Unless you have anything else to say about uh oh, Man, I just want Matt Damon to play. Oh, uh, Balder is like the the Norse god of bravery, who uh, shows up in various Thor comics either as like the dude who gives Thor some wisdom or like Thor's fun drunk buddy. Okay. Both of which I could see Matt Damon playing, but also Beta Ray Bill, especially because, like, Thor in the comics originally took himself very, very, very seriously. Right. And then he started getting a little more silly, I suppose is the word, and uh, Beta Ray Bill showed up and took himself super duper seriously. And that was the joke. Like, he was silly because he took himself seriously. Because he, he was an unironic horseman who was just worthy. Right. Which I think uh, the Thor franchise could benefit from. So more seriousness? No. Well, yes and no. A character who's with, funny because they find themselves serious? Right. Especially because Thor is taking himself exponentially less seriously nowadays. See, I think Gore the... Uh, Gore, right? Yeah, Gore. yeah, Gore the God Butcher is a pretty serious villain. Yeah. Well, because correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't. I'm not up to date with my Gore the God Butcher. But his backstory is that um, his entire family was like murdered or something, That'd and then weird. he was like, "Oh, gods are real. I blame them now." I think um, to like really. I don't think his family was murdered. I think they were like casualties in a sort of uh, war betwixt the Norse gods and another species, and he was like, uh, he, he's Kratos. Okay. Alright, that makes I, sense. I, correct me if I have a very poor understanding of the God of War games, but I mean, I'm I did pretty too. sure he's Kratos. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but he's like a serious villain. Like, I mean, I suppose Hela on paper is a pretty serious villain too. On screen, I feel like Hell is pretty serious. Just the rest of the tone of 
Rather. Well, she'd be like wacky sometimes. Ah, she could be. She could. She'd be like, "Do you even hear what I'm saying? It's me, Hella." Fair. Right. Um, I think Beta Ray Bill would be a very good like foil for Gore, with Thor and Jane sort of serving as the like, um, like main characters of the story because they also foil Gore, but in a different way. See, because Beta Ray Bill is the- Gore, but just. A good guy. See, what I assume the the funny twist would be is that Gore is this guy who's on like an unironic, vengeful quest in like a more wacky movie, or like, well, because okay, one of the criticisms I saw like Guardians Two, for example, is that tonally Nebula doesn't fit in that movie because she's on like a quest for vengeance and she's like far more murderous than anyone else in that movie is, including Ego, an actual genocider. <laughs> But, like, so I assume the funny situation would be that Gore is, like, you know, on this, like, vicious quest to murder the gods, and he gets the Thor, who's maybe the last god? Now that you bring it up, of the ones we've seen, he's the only one left alive, yeah. Yeah, who's the last god? And he expects, like, this, um... This like glorious battle, but Thor is just kind of a buffoon. And since he's with the Guardians, he's hanging out with a bunch of buffoons. Right. Like uh, Sif is also a god, a goddess, and she is she was confirmed to be in this movie. So. Right. But the, like, to but you get what I'm saying, right? I think we saw like ten gods in the Thor canon thusly. Well, I mean, are his only, are like, his. Warrior buddies, gods, technically? Yes, the warrior three are gods. So, uh, well, mm, I think they're in like. I thought they like, were demigods. Like, if not, you want to get technical about. They're not demigods, but they exist in sort of the space that demigods do in Norse mythology, where they're like sort of like. They're like halfway to god status, but not quite, but not because they have like one god parent and one mortal parent. Right, yeah. Because demigods in Norse mythology are considered like higher than humans, but far less than like any mythical being. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So which the the warriors three fall into the any mythical being category. Right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, you got what I'm saying though that like, I assume the twist will be that Gore is expecting like this glorious battle with the last god, and it's Thor, who's a drunken buffoon. Well, but then the- Jane shows up and shows him what for. Yeah. Exactly. And then yeah. I assume we'll retire the Thor character or whatever one yeah some permutation of that yeah so I figures I still think Beta Ray Bill would be a good addition and I think Matt Damon would be great to fill that role allegedly um Beta Ray Bill is in Guardians 3 god I hope so played by Matt Damon preferably well apparently um oh stop that I will stop that uh I hit a thing but everything seems okay everything seems fine well we're fine Apparently, as we've maybe discussed before, definitely in person, possibly in podcast. Yeah. The plot of Guardians 3 involves Rocket reckoning with the High Evolutionary, who is his creator, I suppose, for the purposes of this. Yeah. And allegedly, Beta Ray Bill will also be one of his creations, as will, like, Man-Thing, maybe. Um, that'd be interesting. And then maybe uh, they're going to 
quietly remove Inhumans from canon and introduce Lockjaw that way. Because Lockjaw is a Guardian sometimes. Just like Lockjaw as himself, yes. though, is. Yes, he is. And they would maybe introduce Lockjaw as one of uh, the High Evolutionary's creations. That Mostly be because they're never going to use the Inhumans. <laughs> yeah. Like, they sure gave the old college try, but then they got the X-Men and they're like, no. Yeah. Also, yeah. This, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watched like half of the first episode and I was like, ah, there, no more. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Moving on? Please. Okay. The first image from Pixar's Luca is here. The film is about two friends who are actually sea creatures but appear as humans on dry land. It's H2O, the Pixar movie. But yeah, with boys this time. It's Call Me By Your Name H2O. Yeah. Do you want to see Call Me By Your Name H2O? When you put it that way, no. If you ask me, do you want to see Pixar's Luca? Absolutely. But you when you put it that way, no. But am I wrong? No, I'd just rather we didn't address it. That's fair. Right. Anything else to add? It looks nice. It sure does. Yeah. It looks kind of like a almost stop motion-y kind of woody. Oh, a little bit, yeah. It's a neat style. I like it. But also, that one's dressed exactly like Timothy Chalamet in that movie, so... I haven't seen that movie, and I do not plan to. Because pedophilia is not sexy? Mm, uh-huh. What about cannibalism? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, Paramount Plus will launch in the U.S. and Latin America on March 4th with uh, new streamers, including uh, Black Entertainment Television, CBS, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, and Paramount Pictures Films. So, neat, huh? Good for them. You want another plus? Nope. Well, I pay for two minutes. Well, I I don't personally pay for any of them that I use, I don't think. But I don't want anyone else to take up the burden of paying for it. I think that Paramount Plus is rolling together a bunch of stuff, including CBS All Access, though. Uh, Well, maybe I will pay for it then, just so that I can contribute something to my large group of people who mooch off of the same streaming services. (laughs) Okay. Or maybe Emma's parents will get it. Maybe. Um, I should have said this earlier, but I didn't read all of them. Uh, Karen Gillian confirms she's in Australia and prepping to film Nebula Scenes. Hello, Thor Love and Thunder. Ayo. You can rewind if you want to hear us talk about Thor Love and Thunder again. Yeah, uh, quick interlude. Nebula is one of my favorite characters in the Guardians canon, so I'm excited for her. She's... It's probably a little more than a cameo, though, right? Like, I don't think... Oh, I'm sure it is. She... Gamora was my favorite, closely followed by um, Nebula, but now that the canon has sort of reset where Gamora has not gone on any of her character journey, I don't... Care as much? I, I don't... I don't like Gamora at the beginning of her journey, so I'll have to see where that journey takes us, so I guess Nebula, it falls to Nebula to be my favorite in the Guardians. What about Rocket? Yep, Bradley Cooper is a raccoon. He's the most emotionally complex character in the MCU. That is a false... <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's literally not even close to correct. Okay. <laughs> um, Alright. So Charlie and the Chocolate Factory pre- prequel Wonka sets March 17th, 2023 release date. The film will focus on a young Willy Wonka and his adventures prior to opening his chocolate factory with Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet as the front runners, and what do you think of that? That movie's definitely about slavery. 
<laughs> no, we don't know and that. They're, yeah, they're going to go the extra mile to be like, it's not about slavery, but like that movie is about slavery. Also, I love Tom Holland. He's probably one of my favorite working actors today, and I do think Timothy Chalamet is a touch overrated, but Timothy Chalamet should get that role over Tom Holland. I don't think uh, I need to see Willy Wonka's backstory, you know? Uh, certainly not when he becomes a slave owner, which is 100% what this movie is about. Well, maybe it'll be about him, like, you know, discovering the recipe for chocolate. Yeah, probably not. It's probably about him getting slaves. <laughs> but, like, they can't make a two-hour movie about him chilling with the Oompa Loompas and being like, hey, you want to, you know, uh, get paid in cocoa beans? I assure you they can. And <laughs> I, I promise you they will. Okay, but what I'm saying is I don't think they will because... Someone has to speak up and be like, this is a bad idea, right? Uh, like, I know corporate should. stooges are going to corporate stooge and all, but like, someone has to say, let's, let's, let's not make a movie about slavery, please. That's just, that's just my pitch for the day. Somebody's got to. Somebody should. Somebody probably will be fired. <laughs> we're, we're making the goddamn slave movie. <laughs> Maybe it's an allegory. Who knows? Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll win, uh, like, 11 Oscars. Who knows? Moving on. <laughs> what are, what are, I, I do have a question. What are your thoughts on that casting? Like, let's let's say this movie's all sunshine and gumdrops and it, everything's wonderful and there's nothing about Willy Wonka becoming a slave owner. See, like... Uh, who do you think would fill that role better? I don't care. I don't think this movie needs to exist. Oh, and I, I would much prefer the idea that was thrown around where they would just reboot Charlie the Chocolate Factory. I mean... I also don't think we need a third re- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie, maybe because we kind of, you know, knocked it out of the park that first time, and Tim Burton kind of Tim Burtoned it the second sure. time. So I don't know, like, what fresh eyes we're gonna take a look at it with. Right. Like, we saw it with Gene Wilder. We saw it with a whole bunch of spirals. Like, <laughs> right. Well, because also, like, really, the only thing they have to do with that story would be to cast someone who would just be really cool as Willy Wonka. Well, that's what it was. Like, they were... Because I remember when they were talking about rebooting it, Donald Glover was who they were saying was going to be Willy Wonka. Donald Glover and Janelle Monet were two of the ones who were thrown around most frequently, both of which I think would do fantastic in that role, but I would just rather see them do other cool projects. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, you know, listen, I think Donald Glover would look fly as fuck in a Willy Wonka outfit. 100%. But, like, I don't need to see that fucking movie. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I, I think that that movie, we've done it twice. We've done it uh, phenomenally the first time and pretty good the second time. And we just don't really need to see it again. We're and also, the second that. one gave us, like, a dark and mysterious Willy Wonka backstory where his dad was a dentist. And also Count Dooku. Yeah, and, like, didn't his house teleport? Right? Did I not make that up? I think they're like, ah, Willy Wonka did some cool shit and put his house in the factory. No, I mean, like, in the, like, flashbacks, we said Willy Wonka, he's, like, gonna go travel, then he, like, can't travel and he goes back, and his just house is missing, because his dad was so pissed that he just left, and do you remember that? Like, the house was literally missing? I'm real with you. I think I watched the second half of that movie one time and then the first half of that movie a second time like a month later and i'm pretty sure both of those viewings were in about 2011 okay so i have no fucking idea i just think i remember that from the flashback scenes but also i have not watched that movie in a while so all right moving on please new pixar mini shorts based on toy story coco the incredibles and soul are coming to disney plus on january 22nd neato yeah 
Uh, January 22nd was like three days ago. Dude, listen, man. I don't... <laughs> I'm teasing. Maybe if you had your shit together, this would be news. It's not my shit that needed to be together. Well, it was on Saturday now, wasn't it? Yeah, you're right. I know. That was like seven too many snaps. Well, maybe that's how many you needed. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> neat. Um, I'll probably watch them at some point. Uh, yeah. I mean, just because you know, Pixar makes shit. I watch shit. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right, moving on. Yeah. Okay. Um. All five seasons of the OG classic Muppet Show are coming to Disney Plus the February twenty or twenty or not twenty. Uh, February nineteenth. I think that's uber neat. I probably will not watch that. I agree with both those statements, but maybe we'll do the Muppets movie one day. Yeah, we should. I I'm I may occasionally like if I'm in the the right mood, toss on an episode of the Muppet Show just because. Why not? Listen, on February 19th, I'm absolutely going to watch the one where Luke Skywalker is in, like, a stripper outfit. But I, like, lied, I will watch exactly one episode. <laughs> is it that uh, one? Like, when I'm not... It doesn't matter what mood I'm in. That shit drops, I'm watching that episode. Right. Um, and then I'll probably not touch it again unless I'm in, like, the very specific mood. Like, I could I could do with some Muppet show. Because I do... I really love the Muppets. I do. But the Muppets show is towards the bottom of my Muppet stuff. stuff. Yeah. No, that's fair. I watched a documentary about Jim Hansen and it was wild. I do need to watch that. I'll send it to you. Please do. I will. Alright, moving on? Yeah. Okay. Cyberpunk 2077 price plummets to $30. Oh, maybe I'll buy it. Probably not. But maybe. I'll think about it. I've thought about it. I won't. Here's the thing. I uh, told Jesse this and I'll tell you the listeners this. So, um, I was like... Cyberpunk looks neat. I don't really, like, listen to it, because here's the thing. Um, I don't know any of our listeners are, like, gamers of a capital G. But, um... <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, if you're a gamer of a capital G. Um, gamers tend to kind of overreact about stuff. A little bit. Just a skosh. So they're like, oh my god, fucking Cyberpunk's unplayable. It's an absolute piece of garbage. And I'm like... It can't be that bad. Right. So I, you know, I had, like, money from Christmas, and I'm like, I'll buy this game. So I go to Walmart, and, uh... <laughs> so I bought a collector's edition of this game, and they gave me a world compendium, postcards, um, a map, three months of HBO Max for free, just for being a good sport. Which is already a... That's $45. $45 value? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and stickers, a whole bunch of stickers. And it still costs less than uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Uh, Year-old game. And, yeah, I mean, it it fucks, obviously, but, like... It fucks? Yeah, I I mean, Fallen Order fucks. Oh, Fallen Order fucks. Fallen Order fucks, indeed. Uh, Yeah, and I was like... So I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of shocking. So I, you know, I bought this game, and uh, I went home, and I played it. Uh, It crashed displaying the opening logos... And then I played it for a little while, and I was like, this is fine or whatever, but also it's borderline unplayable. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe the gamers with the capital G were right. Maybe, but I won't ever admit that. No. All right, moving on. Yeah. Uh, first, look at Tom Holland in Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure workshop, coming to Avengers Campus. 
Uh, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, I highly doubt we'll ever see that logo in live action. Like the, um, just the web thing for, like, the shirt? No, the one on the Spider-Man suit. Oh, yeah, probably not, because, I mean, you know, it's, is it, it's like, um, yeah, it's something different, like, well, apparently that's its own universe, like, all these theme parks take place in a separate universe or something. Right, where most of the actors are the same. Where most of the actors in the, are the same, and, like, stuff happens in that universe that's affected by the stuff in the mainline MCU, but, like, <laughs> but, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy movie's never gonna stop to be like, hey, remember that time the Collector kidnapped us all? Wasn't that wild? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's neat. Um, I'm excited. I can't wait to go have yeah. fun and swing around. <clears throat> when I can eventually get to Disney World, I'll, it'll be a, uh, a after, I'm assuming, like, 2025 when that's ready, yeah. given the rate at which Disney parks make their shit. Oh, they can do stuff quick. I think this will be ready to go by, like... Listen, I was there a month after they announced uh, Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge. And that was in, I believe, my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even, like, reveal the trailers or concept art or anything for it until our my freshman year of college. No, it was ready to go when we were seniors. No, it wasn't ready to go when we were seniors. Yeah. It was ready to go when we were, like, uh, sophomores, though. Right, Five years, though, is enough time. I think that's a fair amount of time to build a whole park expansion. Oh, 100%. Like, but, like... Disney moves at such a rate that is not at all consistent with the rate at which their theme park construction moves. Well, because it's a different fucking, like, oh, part of the company. 100%, but still, like, people put up skyscrapers in the time that Disney puts up theme park extensions. That's fair. Um, yeah. Part of the documentary I watched about Jim Henson also talk The same person talks a lot about Disney stuff, and uh, it's very interesting. Uh, I like it. It's very neat to learn about it. Yeah, it's I very, would, uh... You've talked to me a lot about that yeah. specific YouTuber. I'd like to watch more of his stuff. Yeah, I'll just send you his uh, channel later. <clears throat> Please do. Defunct Land, for those of you listening who are interested in this too. Uh, a very uh, an interesting story is about the time Walt Disney tried to build a communist uh, regime. Better known as Epcot. Yes. Uh, the time Walt almost made a fascist government <laughs> for fun. Maybe just a little bit. Uh, it's very interesting. <clears throat> I really like it. Um, all right, moving on. Yeah. The Boys Season 3 will have a not-safe-for-work hero-gasm episode. In the comics, this was an annual Vought-sponsored festival where the supermeros meet on a secret island for an orgy. I find it very fun that they have to uh, spell out not-safe-for-work as though anyone is, like, streaming the boys at work. <laughs> right. Um, part of what I've seen surrounding this makes me feel like it's going to be, like, a hardcore porn episode and I know it's not going to be that but I also know it's going to be like harder core porner than most stuff seen on television it'll probably just go as far as Game of Thrones and then be like let's tiptoe three more steps mm, let's maybe take two full footed steps is what I'm thinking yeah uh, it's interesting I I recently had the revelation that maybe the people who write the boys are the kind of people who like Joker. I recently too have had this realization, <laughs> and it's um, <clears throat> that realization 
and the thing I'm about to talk about are not in tandem with each other, but they do both coexist, and it may be important to note their relationship. I am like halfway through season two of The Boys with no like real inclination to get all the way through season two until I'm presented with new The Boys. Right. There, there's no like I'm not like not watching it, but I'm also not watching it. No, I and I also saying. had a realization around the same time that the people who write the boys are probably people who think the Joker is sweet, quote unquote, cinema. <laughs> and uh, I think those I things have no real correlation to each other because I do enjoy many filmmakers' work and I'm friends with several filmmakers who. I uh, think the Joker is quote unquote cinema and thoroughly enjoy their work. Um, so, like, those are just two things that are true at the same time. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I had this revelation off of the back of, uh, I think it was Eric Kripke who said it, that uh, there was a part of the end of season two, spoiler, or the season two of the boys. Uh, oh, me, I guess. You knew it. You know this because I saw you retweet something about it. Oh, okay. How he was like, because there's a scene where they're all, where the gals team up to fight someone and he was like yeah you know I was deconstructing that scene in Endgame but I'm like shut the fuck up <laughs> and then like from that it spiraled out too oh he probably thinks the Joker's like rocks tits like <laughs> yeah uh yeah well apparently from this uh episode it's not gonna be the only thing rocking tits around the boysville get over here nah, I apologize I'm get sorry. over here he wants to flick my forehead August I'm in no mood to have my forehead flicked at the moment I was in no mood to hear that so I guess <laughs> I guess we call it even. Get over here. You can flick me tomorrow at work. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving on. Titan Season 3 finds its Barbara Gordon in Boyhood's Savannah Welch. She's a very good actress. She is. I don't have a ton of interest in following the rest of uh, Titans, but also maybe I will. I mean, I guess she's Oracle, which is neat. Yeah. Um, also, it's really cool. The actress is an amputee. Um, so they might change Barbara's origin, but they are going to, like, that, it could be a cool... Twist on it? Twist on the, the origin. And one that is is not, like, disrespectful to the original origin. I'm looking at you, the Killing Joke movie. Um, like, it, it could be a interesting way to uh, bring new life to the origin that's existed for the better part of 30 years, as far as I'm correct. Or as far as I'm... I think close oh, to like 40, because Killing Joke was like the 80s, right? I thought it was early 90s. No, I don't Because it was kind of the start of like that early 90s comics. Oh. Like, quote-unquote, yeah. early 90s comics. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, you're right. Um, I... Here's my thing, man, you know. It seems as though... Titans wants to have all these things that have happened to the Titans characters... <laughs> without making them happen... Yeah, a little bit. But also, like, I don't want to see The Killing Joke. As far as I'm aware, as close as we got to seeing The Joker thus far in Titans is, like, the back of his head in a There's, scene or two. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, like... Which, that's all I need to see. Well, it seems to me as though, um... I guess they changed Red Hood, Hood's origin is that Jason's just kind of pissed at everyone. From what I understand, maybe, maybe I—that's what I—I I mean, I haven't watched fucking Titan season two, but apparently it ends with like. So apparently he's like depressed and he's upset that no one has time to 
deal with the fact that he's depressed mainly because Slade's trying to kill them all. And he's like, you guys don't even fucking pay attention to me. And it ends with him, like, motorcycling off. I don't know, man. I might rewatch the first season of Titans. And he proposed that, actually, the other day. And I was like, what's not? Not the two of us, no. I might do it on my own. Dude. I will not do watch it, it solo. I um, um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they want to have Red Hood, but they don't have the Joker, so they can't do Death in the Family. So they'll just have it off screen. They yeah. want to have Oracle, but they don't have the Joker. So look what he did. But also that's fine because we've had too many Jokers in the past ten years, and that's okay. That's fair, but also maybe just like I don't know, maybe like uh, Barbara can be Batgirl. <laughs> Yeah, but I also think the inclusion of this actress who is a who is physically disabled portraying that character will be very interesting um, and very cool and like a good thing for the genre, especially because in superhero media where disability often like kind of plays a part in some of these characters, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, however it goes, um, it often does play a part in these characters' stories. Um, and so having actually like disabled people play them neat and if they want to do the Joker stuff off screen that's fine by me because I know I know the minute they bring him back girl I'm like oh okay in the season and a half we're going to get the killing joke and I have to see the Joker again which I don't need yeah I'll give you that alright ready to move on sure uh Transformers, Josh Duhamel, and talks to replace Army Hammer in uh, Jennifer Lopez's Shotgun Wedding, an action rom-com. All right. He sure is a he sure is a nice-looking military man, you know. Oh, for sure, he definitely looks like a dude whose dad was real hard on him and then died when he was like fifteen, so he joined the military to honor his dad. Maybe I really like him in those Transformers movies, actually. Oh, I do too. Don't get me wrong. Um. I, man, <clears throat> August and I realized something a couple days ago, weeks ago, mm-hmm. that as like cynical as I sometimes tend to be, August is actually the cynic on this podcast yeah. about a lot of topics, um, <laughs> which is maybe why nobody listens to this. That's a joke. I love you, listeners. Um, I made a heart. August made a heart. Um, I have no interest in Jennifer Lopez's shotgun wedding whatsoever i also have like no skin in the game when it comes to the whole army hammer thing going on but also at the same time think ah uh, i see what you did there oh fuck off <laughs> um, but at the same time think him bowing out of this movie is either like an admission like a 100 percent admission of guilt or a the uh like weird take to have if it's not an admission of guilt well, well, because he went several days, like continuing to exist in the world, like, and like on Twitter, just saying Army Hammer shit without just be like just like bashing Trump or whatever, right? Without like addressing that fact, and then after a while, he's like, "I'm not going to be in a movie because some people said I was a cannibal." Which <laughs> well, is, no, he didn't say that. He said these these lies are bullshit. Which um, you know, the guiltiest thing you can say is these rumors are bullshit. Right. Like it's I did it. That's bullshit, man. Like, <laughs> that's the hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he said his official reason was he can't jet off to wherever it's being filmed. He because has, his family is having such a hard time dealing with the fact like that people on the internet are calling, calling him, him a cannibal. cannibal. <laughs> I, uh, 
We've had our own personal conversation about what we think of the Army Hammer thing. And we have elected to not bring them up too much on the podcast. More yeah. than necessary. Right, yeah. Uh, so, moving on. Yep. Uh, the Suicide Squad is, quote, a hair's breadth from being completely finished per James Gunn. Neat. I'm very excited for this movie. I think that out of the DCEU movies that we have uh, put forth, it has the most wiggle room for as to whether I'm going to love it or hate it. I think I'm going to love it. I mean, I know I'm going to love it. It's much up my alley. I know I'm going to think it's all right. And I... Like, you think the worst you're going to think of it is as all right? Or you think you're going to totally think it's all right? No, I think the worst I'm... Like, there's like... 48% 48% of me that thinks that I'm going to think it's all right. There's 48% of me that thinks I'm going to think it's amazing. And there's that 4% of me that's like, this is going to suck ass because I just haven't... I, I, I still struggle to have faith in the DCEU even though I've adored a bunch of the stuff they've put out recently. Well, except for the most previous offering. But... Oh, yeah. That's uh, another episode of the podcast. Nope, because it disappeared. <laughs> oh, guess not. It'll be around eventually. Who knows? Um, so, yeah. Well, I... Uh, I remember I saw something that said uh, Doom Patrol, the first three episodes, are the best DC movie since The Dark Knight. Mm, I think that's categorically false on a handful of counts. You agreed with me when I said that recently, though, right? Or no, you said it was like a uh, a good movie, and I'm like, yeah, I can agree to that. But saying it's the best movie, the best DC movie since The Dark Knight, I think that's wrong on at least two counts. And no, I will not elaborate. Will you elaborate next week? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't think that anything. Uh, has recently dissuaded me from that. Like, I like, um... My, my top three DC... We have the same top three, just in a different order. Yeah. Uh, mine being Aquaman, Shazam... No, Shazam, Aquaman, Birds of Prey. And mine being Birds of Prey, Shazam, Aquaman. Well, Shazam and Aquaman took it out a little bit, but Birds of Prey is very much my favorite. Yeah. But that being said, I don't think those three maybe challenge that statement. <laughs> I think those three demolish that statement, but I also don't think that The Dark Knight is a good jumping off point <laughs> for that statement. <laughs> because I don't find The Dark Knight to be a very good DC movie. I find it to be a great movie, but a pretty poor comic book offering. <laughs> Maybe we'll do The Dark Knight one day. Uh, we, we, we'll probably do it before the, the Batman. Oh, probably will, but we have one guest we've got to bring on, and we're gonna. I'm gonna fight with. Her. We might come to blows. I'll be the peacekeeper because I actually think I have a pretty middling opinion on the Dark Knight. Yeah. See, it's and funny because, like we just mentioned, I'm the cynic of the podcast, but also I have a middling opinion on a lot of things. Whereas I have an extreme opinion on most things. <laughs> I have very few middling opinions, and uh, but you know. Take a look at our letterboxes and you'll see, like... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, credit me for making a letterboxed account. Follow us on Letterboxd. Why not? We talk about movies on there. We don't talk about... I don't talk about them. I do not review any movie I see on Letterboxd. I just rate them. But you want to know what I'm thinking. It's uh, It's the same as my Twitter. Uh, I think mine's just at Augusta Yeah. But yeah. All right. So, moving on. 
please. Exclusive Marvel Comics character Dusk, who befriended Spider-Man in the negative zone, currently has a project in development at Sony. Who gives a shit, man, is what I have to say. Listen, <laughs> I recently rewatched the Morbius trailer. I'm kind of hyped for that movie. I'm not. Oh my god! Lie. Wait, wasn't that like a year ago? Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of hyped for that movie. I'm not gonna lie to you. However, Sony needs to give the fuck up. <laughs> like, keep making your Venom movies because they're neat. <laughs> I, I like them. Uh, make Morbius just because I want to see. But for the love of God, do not make a sequel. And then give up. I think um, when it comes to the Spider-Man stuff. I think because this is this is beyond like Morbius making a Morbius movie was ridiculous making a Dusk movie is who the beyond who fuck cares about Dusk though you know like I have no idea I, I mean know. here's I, the thing I, I've heard the name Dusk I don't even know about I don't, Dusk and yeah. you know like I fuck with Spider-Man <laughs> I fuck with Spider-Man heavy and I also am more the like comic reader in terms of like general people August reads a couple more comics like more in depth than I do but I feel like I read more a broader variety August does and have a more like base I feel like I have like a broader comic knowledge but you have like you can like you know storylines better than I do yeah you've got a broader like I've heard of this person and I've got more of like a smaller range but I know more in depth about that smaller range right yeah but I have no fucking I've heard the name Dusk maybe once yeah I don't give a shit I mean here's the thing if they're gonna make this comic about this dude in the negative zone and then maybe it's like a introspective kind of thing cool but like Sony has to just fucking give up man like you don't I mean you make you own Spider-Man but like no one's gonna be like jazzed if you make like a like your own Spider-Man universe, and no one, even less people, especially are, if you don't, don't use Spider-Man. <laughs> like, I can tell you, man, they're like a hair's breadth away from like desperately casting Timothy Chalamet as their Spider-Man in a hope to like get people to go see these movies. Uh, yeah, but like, I don't care. And much. that's <laughs> yeah, like, please. Release the movies you're currently making. Do not make any more. Yeah. Unless you maybe make that multiple man movie with Dave Franco. I think that'd, that'd be, be right. Fox. Because he's an X Man. Oh, so that would go back to Disney. I know. I thought multiple man. No, he's an X Man. I know he is, but I thought he was like in dispute because he's also like every so often in Spider Man stuff. No, he's not in dispute. He's oh. firmly a Fox character. Like he was in X Men 3. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I thought that like Sony was like moving forward with production on that movie and then no. halted for some reason. Could it be the virus outside? It was long <laughs> before the virus. No. I think it's because uh, they don't own that movie and uh, Disney owns it now. And they're like, no, we're not making that. <laughs> Valid. I swear to God it was Sony who was making it. That's my mistake. No. I mean, you know, there's some things I'm interested in. Like, I would maybe see like a Sony's take on a Birds of Prey directed by Olivia Wilde whatever man you know, oh like, yeah like sure neat I like Booksmart but like but also I might rather see that as sort of like in the Marvel Universe 
maybe kind of in the way that like the the Netflix shows are in the Marvel universe. Like I don't necessarily need to see them like have an impact, but like at least like know they're there. Yeah. It's kind of a security blanket. Like it makes me like feel better about that because when I go to watch like Venom, I love Venom. Venom is not a great movie, but I did love it. But I did leave and still currently have with the feeling of, but like, why the fuck do I care? Well, because it yeah. doesn't like not everything needs to impact something greater. Not everything needs to be in a cinematic universe. But if you're going to make movies about characters who are a part of a cinematic universe and not put them in the cinematic universe, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, apparently Venom is is Venom in the MCU? It's highly disputed. They go back and forth on it every day, like publicly. Like one, like Monday it is, Tuesday it's not, Wednesday it is again, Friday it's not again. But well, like from what I understand, and I saw something about this recently, I think it was on like TikTok, so. Marvel, like Kevin Feige is like desperately yelling at Sony, like, don't make this movie, we'll just do Venom later, guys. And then apparently the Spider-Man's identity getting revealed, that was a purely Sony decision. Yeah. And like, I think like, Kevin didn't know about it until like he saw the final cut. He's like, "What the, what the fuck was that?" <laughs> but um, so apparently, though, what I heard was that Marvel's mad because they were waiting for uh, Spider-Man's identity reveal to be part of Secret Wars. Yeah, and they just fucking can't now. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know, but because Morbius is, I guess, in the MCU, right? It it has to be. Because um, Michael Keaton's there. Michael Keaton's playing one of two characters. He's either playing the Vulture from the movie Spider-Man: Far From Home, or he's playing Batman. And <laughs> one of those makes more sense than the other. <laughs> so I mean, it's absolutely possible that uh, unless that's part of their whole like multiverse thing, which again I call bullshit. I mean, but not, I'm not getting into why. Maybe they're maybe they're maybe they're like Keaton. Do you want to? Just be a mysterious gentleman. <laughs> I guess. I don't know, man. I. It has to be right. Like it, I, I, Kevin Feige's pissed about it, but it has to be right. Like, <laughs> Kevin Feige shits the bed about it every night, but it, it has to be. Oh man, moving on. <laughs> also, the Spider-Man deal is kind of bullshit. Like Marvel using Spider-Man. I'm so glad it's happening. Don't get me wrong. But also the fact that, like, the the terms and conditions of that deal are basically Sony gets to do whatever they want with him unless Marvel puts him in a crossover movie and then they get to do what they want with him. And anything Sony does, Marvel just has to be like... Yeah, whatever. I guess okay, I guess we'll figure it out. And Sony is kind of petty about it. Like, it, it's, it's ludicrous. Can you and, believe we didn't know that Iron Man was dead? <laughs> yeah. Like... Two studios knew about that. Mm-hmm. And, like... Two of the most profitable and largest studios in the U.S. Right. And, like... There's so much... I mean, I guess they maybe CGI'd in all these Iron Man murals and shit. Like, well, I mean, to be fair, half the cast of um, Endgame didn't know Tony was dead until it happened and yeah Tom didn't... Holland's being coy or whatever but you know he fucking filmed Far From Home like <laughs> yeah but they didn't start production on Far From Home until after um like it they like production for Far From Home started like I think two weeks before uh Endgame came out no it started no it didn't cause 
Far From Home came out two months after Endgame did. They were shooting for Endgame, like... You said after Endgame came out. Do you mean after Endgame finished production? No, I'm before Endgame came out, because Endgame was... They filmed, like, final shots for Endgame, like, two weeks before it came out. Because they were, like, the top secret ones. No, I mean... So I guess a month. No, but Far From Home was filming when we were in high school. Like, I remember it. I remember sitting in my family's living room. Oh, it wasn't? Yes, it was. That's when we got our first, like, leaked pictures. Because the first trailer from Far From Home came out when we were freshmen in college. At the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, but, like, that means it was filming the summer before we started college. I remember. I remember being in July, sitting in my living room, and, like, the first pictures came out. I was like, these look fucking dope. What I'm saying is, Tom Holland was in this movie, like, I'm saying these two movies... It's amazing that we didn't know Iron Man died. That's all I'm saying. I agree. I think we're just speaking different languages. I think so. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Freaks and Geeks is coming to Hulu July... Tw- not July. Zoinks. January 25th with OG soundtrack intact. I have a fun uh, Freaks and Geeks story that I told Jesse the other day. I'll like tell you guys. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I have a little bit of headache. Um, so, basically, Freaks and Geeks, it's now like a cult. TV show. It's a classic. Everyone loves it. I have to watch it. I'm gonna watch it, actually, probably, later. But, apparently, you know, it was cancelled really early. Like, only last, like, a season. And Judd Apatow was so infuriated about this that he decided that he's gonna use his power as a producer to engineer the careers of all the stars of this show so that it retroactively became a hit, and then, like, the network would, keep, would hate themselves for cancelling it. Yeah. So... Judd Apatow's pettiness is why James Franco is famous. As well as several other members of that of that gang. Seth Rogen, too. Yeah. Um, and Jason Siegel. I mean, I guess Jason Siegel would have been in High My Mother anyways, though. Like, I don't think Judd Apatow had anything to do with that. Did he produce High My Mother? No. Jason Siegel would have been in High My Mother. Yeah. But he did a little bit between the two that I think Judd Apatow had influence on. I mean, I don't think that Jason Siegel's famous for getting, for, for getting Sarah Marshall. I think he's famous for... No, I mean, That's fair. Um, question. Answer. Maybe you know the answer. I don't know if you know the answer. Don't jump the gun. Why is the fact that the original soundtrack is back interesting? Oh, so a lot of shows from that era, like two thousand, like two thousand five, but then it had like kind of like a grungy kind of like you know that kind of era soundtrack. From what I understand, licensing falls through. So, because it's only licensed for, like, a certain amount of time. Like, uh, Clone High is a very famous example of this. Because, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Clone High. I've not. But there's a lot of, like, licensed music, because it was, like, an MTV cartoon, I think. Mm-hmm. But, like, on official distribution... And that's the other thing. So they'll get the licensing for TV, but they don't want to get it for distribution. So they'll have, like, you know, like, licensed soundtracks on, like... Let's just say, for example, like, all the small things or something, right? Sure. But when they come to make the DVDs, sometimes the licensing can fall through for that because maybe they just didn't buy distribution rights, maybe they didn't do whatever. So it'll just have general kind of generic grungy kind of music. Okay. Like, uh, and that's also what happens in foreign releases a lot too. Yeah. They don't get like, international rights. So it'll just be like just da 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 da. Just do something like that, you know? Sure. As opposed to the actual like soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, no. Uh, no time to die. 
likely to be delayed once again. Quote, it's a mess, says a studio executive. Yeah, this movie doesn't exist. This is the Snyder <laughs> Cut of the James Bond universe. Oh my god, man. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, probably. All right. When in reality, of the James Bond movies in recent memory, uh, well, I mean, I suppose in the past, let's say, 10 years, um, it's the one I want to see real bad. And it's, it has nothing to do with James Bond. That's fair. Yeah. And else, I just thought that was a fun thing because the executive was like, it's a mess. Yeah, it has uh, everything else to do with someone else involved in the movie. Yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice League official promo shows a cleaner look at Darkseid. That's a terrible look. I agree. That's all. We, That's all we have to say. Rockstar Go patents potential GTA 6 NPC technology. Uh, each NPC will can define its own specific characteristics for, for traversing the road nodes. That's a cool idea. Yeah. I suppose that's what took them so long to make that game. Don't get me wrong, I'm not invested in any way about the future of the GTA game franchise, but like I know it's been... I'm pretty sure GTA came out originally on the PlayStation 2? GTA 5? Yeah. No. It came out in 2013. I remember I got it for my birthday. It was like 360 uh, PlayStation 3 era. It was like the last game on that era. No. Yes, it was. My cousin was playing GTA Five long before the PS4 came out. Mm, long yeah. before. No, it came out in 2013. So, unless your cousin's a time traveler. Uh, yeah, and GTA Five came out stuff, September 15th, 2013. I can't believe I knew that off the top of my head. I hate that. Um, <laughs> I got it for my 13th birthday, and I remember my mom being scandalized by it. Sure. Then my dad was like, he's 13, he's fine. Uh, and I wasn't. No. Because I planned heists on my school laptop in the 8th grade. Right. You know, like, uh, like guys a, who think the like joke is good. Ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, it was like, I think it was the last big uh, game on that console, on those consoles, because the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox, whatever that one was, the Xbox One, uh, was a uh, was the that Christmas season? So it was like the last big AAA game on it. So shit, I guess it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, damn. Um, still, uh, the only studio that has a uh, a worse time excusing why they haven't made a game in a series that they're. They've been saying forever they're going to make more of it. It's Bethesda. And it's the the Elder Scrolls 6. See, I think, though, that... Because Rockstar, they made GTA Mm V. And then they released Red Dead 2. Oh, they've made other games since. No, no. Just the one. Well, they also release, like... They still fucking release stuff for GTA Online. Fair. Like, but also I know like Red Dead Two is considered one of like the best games ever made. Yeah, it's yeah exactly. And I'm sure GTA Six will follow. It's like a terabyte of data. Like, right. it would take up my whole Xbox. Yeah, it's a you know, and I pray it's a fantastic game, evidently. But um, I don't play it because you know I didn't have a fucking terawatt. That's not a thing. A terabyte just burning a hole in my system's pocket. But uh, right. Yeah, and that one was like 
We were in freshman. We were freshman college, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was like five years between that. So, you know, maybe we'll get it in uh, 20... 23. No? Oh, yeah. I guess it'd be 23. Don't remind me of how old I am. I'm still a freshman in college. What? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm excited for GTA 3. I like the GTA... Or GTA 6. I like the GTA games. They're fun. I, again, I don't play video games, really. Yeah. I have no stake in that game. I think you... They're just movies. And I... That being said, like, you know... They're not particularly hard. Like, sure. I think you'd like the story of GTA Five if you played it. Probably. Like, I do genuinely believe that. Like, if the, if they took the plot of GTA Five and made it into a like a mini series, I think you'd fuck with it so hard. Oh, I I completely agree. But I cannot be bothered to drive around that much, <laughs> unless I'm playing like Forza. What if like you sat on my couch and I just played the game for you? I enjoy that much more than I would. He does. I um, because I told him I was like, "Oh man, you should play Spider Man." Because I had it and we and he didn't and I like played it or whatever. And I was like, and he he's bad at games, so I was like, "Oh, do you want me to beat these bosses or whatever?" He's like, "Yeah." So like, I did the first boss fight, and he goes, "You can keep playing." Yeah, I was I was having far more fun watching him play than watching this rad Spider Man movie, right? Than I was actually playing. Yeah. Every once in a while, I like chirp in with advice, but it. Usually wasn't very helpful. Well, because I played the game. <laughs> it, it, it was generally just like, oh, get him. <laughs> oh, jump. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> or like maybe I'd fuzzle, or I'd figure out a puzzle a little bit quicker than he could remember it and be like, oh, you gotta like get the thingies. And he then we'd be on the same page. Right. <laughs> he would do the getting of the thingies. Right, yeah. All right. Uh, ready to move on? Yeah. Fortnite creator Epic Games makes foray into movies with animated pick Gilgamesh. Here's a picture of it. How does that look? It sure Fortnite. Was... I have no issue with Fortnite. I had no issue with Fortnite until you read me this headline. Fortnite is a monster that has grown too strong and must be destroyed before it, <laughs> it destroys us. Yeah, man. Like, I, I actually used to, like, beef with Fortnite, which was just generally me being, like... Well, because, you know, you're a countercultural asshole. No, I was just, like, slightly above the target age for Fortnite, so I thought it was dumb. And since then, I've played it a couple times. My Both my younger siblings play it. My younger sister actually really, really likes Fortnite. <laughs> I've watched them, and I'm like, oh, this is, this is fun. And especially with the inclusion of, like, a lot of, like, fandom-based characters, I think it's really cool, great, but, like, just keep making a game, man. Don't make a movie about it. No, it's not like a, it's not a Gilgamesh movie made in like. It's like the engine, I guess. Like, well, like yeah, but like you go to Cane's, right? Raising Cane's <laughs> chicken restaurant, and you walk up to the counter, and they don't ask what do you want. <laughs> they say how many. <laughs> Fortnite should do that. <laughs> they shouldn't give you options. They should keep making the one thing that they're pretty good at. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And just do that. That's fair. Another! That was loud. Another Game of Thrones prequel has entered early development (laughs) at HBO. Oh, God. I couldn't care less. Move on. Uh, Have we told the story before? Uh, We, I think, briefly in one episode, we took a class that was basically dissecting the fiction of Game of Thrones. And the first thing we had to read was this prequel book that George R. R. Martin wrote because he was bored and procrastinating <laughs> on writing an actual book <laughs> about this dude named these D- dudes named Duncan, Duncan Egg, Egg. and uh, it 
kind of blows ass. <laughs> but also, uh, never mind. That t- today's not the time for that hot take. Um, no, give that hot take. Game of Thrones kind of blows ass. What? Um, it's fine. <laughs> I have a, here's what I think is the most interesting thing about the game about Game of Thrones because I don't think there's anything else that this happened with. And I think Game of Thrones needs to be studied as like a cultural touchstone because of this. Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones, for all intents and purposes, was the biggest thing, the biggest thing on television in the 2000, the you know, 2010. The, yeah. The biggest, by a large margin. And then it had a bad finale, and now it's not culturally relevant anymore? Yeah. And I don't think anything like that has ever happened before, right? Like, Not that I can recall in my 21 years. Like, if you think about it, like, yeah, maybe some people don't think, like, um, like Back to the Future 3 really stopped the landing, right? Like, just to pick something random, right? Like, I know that, like, Back to the Future 3 is generally considered the worst of the Back to the Futures. Yeah. But people still really fuck with Back to the Future in general. <laughs> right. Like, it's just so mind-boggling that that could happen, you know? Like, yeah, it... It, it's insane. Like, also, could you imagine if, like, Endgame was bad? And the MCU just suddenly became culturally irrelevant? Yeah. I, like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I can't imagine it happening. And I've lived through it, and I cannot imagine it happening. Like, we watched Game of Thrones. We watched each new episode of the last season as it came out. Mm-hmm. Like, within hours. Yeah. If not... The minute. Like, the minute, yeah. Could you imagine if I looked at you and said, yeah, in three weeks, this will be... No one's going to care anymore. No one's going to care anymore. Yeah. Well, because originally you were a dweeb if you liked Game of Thrones, and then you were a dweeb if you didn't for like seven years, and then all of a sudden you were a dweeb if you did again. Like, and it's so crazy, because I like know a lot of people who, you know, in like 2019 really liked Game of Thrones, and like we talked about the finale... But, like, if they were, like... If I was to have a conversation with someone about the finale of Game of Thrones, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Didn't, uh... I can't even think of, like, a fucking example. Didn't the incest twins get back together after having not been together for, like, four years and each of them had a really good romantic subplot going? Didn't that happen? Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah. Also, if you want to know why I say uh, Game of Thrones blows ass, go back, listen to our Worst of 2020 episode, and listen to what I have to say about Hillbilly Elegy. It's the same thing. That's why. Just replace the words hillbilly elegy with Game of Thrones. But didn't like... But Game of Thrones was good, though. It was, but I never... Also, tune in next week's episode of Doom Patrol. I never vibed with it as hard as a lot of people did. Yeah, okay. Spoilers for next week, I guess. It's in the future. You don't know. Right, yeah. I... Yeah, I guess. Like, it, it was good. I liked it. But, like, everybody around me loved it, and I felt kind of... There were moments and parts that I did really love, but there was never a time where I was, like, more than, like, Game of Thrones is really good. Well, we didn't... I mean, I've seen all of it, but, like, you didn't see all... I did miss, like, a season in the middle. Yeah, because we were, like... We started it towards the end of first semester, like, I think... Yeah. Oh, no, we... Started towards the beginning of first semester. We watched like a season or two. I, I conned him into watching BoJack. We yes. watched all of that. And then once we finished BoJack, we kind of picked back up a Game of Thrones. But then it was like really close to the last season. And I was I, like, 
Do you want me just to kind of sh- bullet point these last, these other two seasons? We watched like an hour, I think it might have even been like a two hour long YouTube recap. video yeah. to recap the season that I missed. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm well aware of what happens. I just didn't experience it firsthand. Right. And I mean, I, mean, I still think Game of Thrones is awesome moments. Like, I could watch Battle of the Bastards again. Like, that's a fucking killer oh, episode of TV. Of course. But like... It's a sweet episode of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But like, it's so crazy to me that Lord of the... It's just not go-to relevant anymore. That's so... It just dropped How does that happen? Like, I can't even like wrap my mind around that. I can't either. We gotta move on. We do. Um, <laughs> I will... I'm just gonna make this the last piece of news. <laughs> Um, That's probably fair. We can pick up. T- we can pick up pick some up more week. stuff tomorrow. Uh, not that. Well, not what we just said. We have one more thing because you mentioned it, and I just saw something about it. Okay. Uh, okay. I actually have two more things. Okay. Three more things, but this last one's an extension of that last one. Okay. Writers such as Rome's Bruno Heller have pitched series, including one based on Robert's Rebellion, to HBO Max and HBO. To franchise Game of Thrones like Disney has Star Wars. Listen, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I I take note. That I my previous statement of Game of Thrones sucks ass. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, a hyperbole. Right. Um. It doesn't. It's a very good show. It did not stick the landing, but that's also a lot of shows didn't like BoJack, and we right. we still like BoJack. Absolutely, Game of Thrones, very good show. Um, not necessarily my bag, but very good. I have seen <laughs> all I need to see of Game of Thrones. I'm not going to watch it again. I'm not going to watch any of the spinoffs. I do not need anything else. Uh, the Robert's Rebellion show sounds maybe interesting because still, like, even after six other seasons of the show, seven other seasons of the show, Ned Stark is my favorite character in that whole show. <laughs> um, even after he only shows up in the first season but do you think that like maybe but someone not being sean bean would make it less and less likable only if it was liam neeson but that wouldn't make sense for would be like a young guy. Right. <laughs> right it have to be a young guy maybe me cast me as Ned Stark. sure i'll do a british accent it's fine <laughs> um i take back everything i've said about game of thrones it's the best uh guy game of thrones people if you're listening you found your ned stark but um, it seems to me though that you don't need to uh franchise no, you've told your story, let it go. Well, the other thing, we talk about this when we talk about Star Wars. Star Wars isn't Marvel. Right. And arguably, you know, I like Star Wars, I think any Star Wars is good, Star Wars, yada, yada, yada. Sure. But they're doing a very bad job at franchising it if you want to talk about, like, the past five years. No, like, really, yeah. I as like much as I like most of the stuff that's come out in the past five years... Um, to varying degrees, obviously, but uh, yet the, the term franchising Star Wars is maybe that's the issue. Maybe just the vocabulary involved is is poor. Uh, but yeah, like yeah. <sighs> okay, uh, Chris Nolan is unlikely to return to Warner Brothers to direct his next film. I say good riddance. Chris Nolan blows. I say. I, gee, I wonder why, because they really kind of did a bunch of filmmakers dirty, and Chris Nolan is maybe taking a stand for them. I don't know why he's doing that. It's but. that, but, like, I don't give a fuck, you know? I think, uh, 
You let one alright movie sour your thoughts about Christmas. No, I have always thought, like, yeah, Interstellar's fine or whatever. Yeah, like... Okay, fair. I thought you had a... Had a you were more of a big Chris Nolan fan than no. apparently you are. No, I don't know like Chris Nolan that much. I oh. And here's the thing. Well, you know. uh, we don't, we're not super active on Twitter. But if you're a Chris Nolan fan, feel free to at me and say I didn't get it or whatever. But um, another, another hot take for you guys. Ready? Um, listen, guys. I've taken my fair share of film classes, all right? If um, I didn't get it, that's air quotes around it. It's not because I'm a little dumb dumb and you're just a smart Rick Sanchez person who, <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. It means that the filmmaker did a bad job. All right, Ernest Klein? Like, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I, uh, personally, I do think maybe August didn't get it, but I also agree wholeheartedly with everything he just said. So... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, I just don't need a bunch of Red Player One protagonists jumping down my fucking throat. Valid. Like... Whatever, man. You're smart. I'm dumb. Who cares? Like, whatever. You you get it. But also, again, and I can't reiterate this enough, if it's more likely than not, and you know what, maybe I'm like, you know, inflating my ego here. Maybe I just think I'm a smart person, but I'm not. But uh, I think that if I didn't get it, it's definitely because you didn't do a good job explaining it. Like, it wasn't lost on me. Like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I don't have any way to say my next point without sounding like an asshole. Just say it. Some people got it and some people didn't, and that has no bearing on, like, either of those two people's intelligence. I got it. You didn't. Oh, I got got Interstellar. (laughs) The not getting it is about, um, Tenet. Like... Oh, I didn't get that either. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. okay. I, got all, I just don't think it's, you know, that good. <laughs> oh, okay. I just I agree with you there, but we were on the same page about uh, Tenet. I think it's better than you do, but also that's maybe just because I really like Interstellar and Inception. <laughs> and no, 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 this, Inception's fine. Several of his other works. I think Inception's fine. <clears throat> I mean, no, I think Inception's good. It's a good movie. Like, that's an objective statement. Like, it's a good movie. But also, uh, like, you know... Whatever. That's what I have to so, say. So, I feel like if you take Chris Nolan, like if you take the Batman trilogy out of Chris Nolan's work, it sort of does a, a peak and valley, or it, like it, it, it makes a it makes a, a parabola with Inception being probably at the top of that parabola and Interstellar being the beginning of the descent, the Prestige being at the like almost quite at the top, and then Tenet being the, what about the uh, descent. And I also guess Dunkirk's good. I just haven't seen him. I haven't seen Dunkirk either. Whatever. But, yeah, man. And I uh, I had this hot take the other day. And I told Jesse it. I read... I was reading Chris Nolan's Wikipedia. Probably because I just wanted stuff to yell about. And, um... Valid. So, first of all, Homeboy's never won an Oscar. He hasn't. Good. Um, <laughs> but... Uh... Well, you know, I think... Well, I guess that wouldn't be his department, though. I was going to say. I could see an Inception getting stuff for, like, editing, but... Yeah, uh, some sound of his movies, I think, have won Oscars, but he didn't win any. Well, he's certainly not getting one for Tenet, I'll tell you that much. Um, uh, he just might, and that's uh, almost worse. <laughs> um, but, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. But I, but someone's like, yeah, Chris Nolan's has made like uh, $3 billion worldwide. And I'm like, 
Yeah, but like two of those were Batman movies that made a billion dollars. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, see, it's it's really weird how much good faith Chris Nolan has, you know? Uh, like, a little bit too much. Like, I mean, from a studio perspective, you know? Because his movies don't make that much money. Like, they make, like, their budget back and stuff, and they make, like, they make their budget back and them some. Right. Like, they don't, like, break even on I mean. Right. They make money. Like, on a $200 million budget, he'll make, like, 500 to $700 million. Which is really not that much, okay. considering. Yeah. And then also, like, he's apparently notoriously difficult to work with. I've heard conflicting opinions, but some of those conflicting opinions may have been because, like, people were threatened. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, the person on the fucking press junket for the movie's not going to say Chris Nolan's a dick. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, yeah, his Batman movie made a billion dollars, but, like... It's, it's more by virtue of being a Batman, Batman movie, movie than being, being a Chris Nolan movie. movie. Like, any Batman movie is going to make a billion dollars. Except Batman v Superman. God. God bless. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on. Live action Harry Potter series. And oh, Her- fuck. Oh, wait. Shit. I flipped that. We'll, we'll cut back to that. Okay. Uh, the Harry Potter franchise has a new overseer, an executive, Ton Ashim. He is tasked with expanding the wizarding world... And managing Warner Brothers' relationship with J.K. Rowling. That is industry code for they're removing J.K. Rowling as much as possible from this, which makes the next piece of news something that I can a little bit get behind as opposed to just ignore entirely. Uh, Live-action Harry Potter series is in early development at HBO Max. As far as I am to understand it, uh, the wording of this makes it seem as though it's, it's like going to be like a reboot of the Harry Potter series. I think that is entirely inaccurate. I don't think we'll see a reboot of the Harry Potter film franchise for another 20 years, and that's generous. Um, I think this is just another... This, this is another piece of media set in the Harry Potter universe, and I think Warner Brothers is doing what they can to sort of remove their working relationship with J.K. Rowling. Um, they're still giving her plenty of money, which is unfortunate but um i you know i'm interested to see there's never going to be a world where i don't want to see more harry potter stuff as as much as i would like to not want to see more harry potter stuff i physically can't do you think that maybe plain devil's advocate because of the wording again does make it sound as though they are rebooting the harry potter series as a television series yeah which don't because we kind of you know have really good harry potter movies no we don't you don't like those movies? I love those movies. They're not very good. <laughs> uh, well, like okay. good adaptations are good movies. They're great movies. They're uh, maybe it's just because I'm like an asshole Harry Potter fan. Uh, they're not poor representations, but they could be so much better, even in movie format. They don't need to be series, but they, I, do you think Harry Potter lends itself better to a series? Like just absolutely. Wholeheartedly. All right, so I'm just gonna play devil's advocate here. Okay. Do you think that maybe executives are worried that Harry Potter is gonna be less culturally relevant if there's a slam dunk Percy Jackson series? No. Okay. Because Percy Jackson is only culturally relevant as a result of Harry Potter, and I feel like that will show through in the Percy Jackson series more than it wouldn't any media Harry Potter produces. 
Do you think that YA fiction does not exist in the in the current. same way without Harry Potter? Yeah, it simply does not. Like it existed before Harry Potter, and it would have existed afterwards had Harry Potter not existed. But it would be entirely radically different. Okay. Well, I was just curious if you think that this is maybe like Warner Brothers trying to like compete with the Disney Plus Percy Jackson series, air quotes. Doubt it. Okay. Um, there are two things happening at the same time, and that's about as far as that rivalry goes. I was just curious because there was news about that today, too. So, yeah. I just was like, hmm, thoughts. Um, I don't know. I I know you're going to disagree with me. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we just need to bench this world for a bit, you know? I actually don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, I do think... I, I, I do... I have to disagree with you. I think the projects they announced before, like, the end of 2020, they should see out, and then we should take a break from the Harry Potter universe for about 10 years and then maybe we can come back to it. I think that, you know, like... The big problem that they're experiencing right now, if you ask me. Uh, film analyst, August okay. Ricardo. I want him to get us a hat that says, Film Opinions Hat. I don't know, let's put it on. I would like that hat. Um, so I'm going to put on the Film Opinions app. I think the issue is... That they're trying to expand this universe... But it's a universe centered around a character that can't be what they're in what they're trying to expand with, you know? I mean they could make an Aurora series or or series with like Harry and Ron, but they're not, it sounds like. No. Like and that's the thing, like that's what and it shows because audiences really don't give a shit about Newt Scamander. You do. No, I have an entirely different thing to say. I want you to finish your point first. I think, yeah, like, I mean, that's not a disputable fact, really. Like, if you look at the returns for the Fantastic Beast movies, like, it's... The first Fantastic Beast movie wasn't really enough to hook as many, you know, members of the audience as they were anticipating. And then they were banking on a sequel with Dumbledore... And you know more recognizable stuff, I suppose, kind of luring people back in. But by that point, no one cares, and now they're stuck with a five-film arc and the controversial actor. <laughs> I think we're about to fight. I can tell by we're not about to fight, but I'm <laughs> about to disagree with you severely. What do you think? Uh, in what sense? Like, uh, are you relinquishing your point? No, I'm... Because you got to let me go loose for like three minutes at least. Okay, go for it. <laughs> i got to monologue for a second. I raise you, your point is valid, or I, I, I call your point is valid, and I raise it's bullshit. Um, the only bad thing about Harry Potter is J.K. Rowling. Because everything, like J.K. Rowling controversy, along with <clears throat> Johnny Depp controversy and everything, is what put the Fantastic Beasts franchise and Harry Potter at large into a poor light, especially because that target, like the audience who is a fan of the Harry Potter franchise 
so largely over, overlaps with people who are affected by those issues um, that that's why it's lost viewership and care and why they're trying so hard to just do whatever they fucking can to make it relevant again. And the only thing the Harry Potter universe can do to do, to fix itself is to divorce entirely from J.K. Rowling because of that. And also, like, the character that most people in the Harry Potter fandom care the least about is Harry Potter. They don't care about him. They care about what happened before him. They care about what happened after him. They care about what happened during him, but well, in no, other no, places in the I'm world. Saying. Like, the only thing nobody gives a shit about is what happened in Europe between the years of 91 and 98. Nobody cares about Well, that. here's what I'm saying, though. The Harry Potter fandom at large, those who have sworn it off as a result of J.K. Rowling aside, mm-hmm. they're going to see these movies, right? Sure. But what I'm saying, though, is general audiences. Because that's real, you know, people who are jazz in Harry Potter can see these movies all they want. But that's not enough to make studios be like, there's still value in this. Like, not, not, not there's still value in this. There's long-lasting profitability in this. So, what I'm saying, though, is if they're trying to build an extended world in the Harry Potter world, the problem is that I can't refer to it as anything other than the Harry Potter world as a general consumer. Valid. But yet again, I think you're wrong because I think you're underestimating... Like, not wrong. I disagree with your point. I think you're underestimating the... Uh, overlap between Harry Potter fans and general audiences. I everyone goes to Harry Potter movies. More people than who go to see like more like general audience overlap. There's more general audience overlap between Harry Potter movies and Marvel movies. Maybe not for Fantastic Beasts. Well, that's what I'm saying though cuz everyone saw Harry Potter movies, but like everyone saw the first one. First Fantastic Beasts movie? Mhm. Uh, I don't even think it cracked a bill. There was a lot of other shit in theaters, but it, it put, uh, like, it had ridiculous... Was it? Because that was a pretty open season, I thought. It was, like, November mm-hmm. 2016. What was in theaters November 2016? It was November 2017. No, it's, I'm looking at it right now. It's November 2016. Really? Yeah. No way I was that young. We were. We were juniors in high school. I remember it. Uh... I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you how much I made. Okay, eight hundred and fourteen million. I'll concede that's a good box office. That is a good box office for that movie, especially on a two hundred-ish million dollar budget. But uh, yada 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 yada. I'm trying to find where it says Crimes of Grindelwald. The Crimes of Grindelwald dropped off by two hundred million. Crimes of Grindelwald was also at the height of the Johnny Depp controversy, and he was the main character. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that... Which is a large part of what dropped it off. No, I, I get that. that has sort of, like... Everybody in the world has either decided whether they are still going to see things Johnny Depp are in, or whether they're not. Um, and what they think happened with that whole situation, based off of what they determined to be the facts. Um, or that they don't care either way because they either don't know about it or they're just like but no here's the thing though like you know 
the first Fantastic Beast movie kind of got generally positive reviews. People are like, it's fun. But, Kaiser Grindelwald, Johnny Depp notwithstanding, got mixed reviews. And it wasn't like, it's very distracting watch, watching who we think is someone who slapped his wife a bunch. Oh, no. But that's because they were trying to fix the Johnny Depp issue by making it this like big, crazy thing. When and and it wound up being so convoluted it just didn't work also because J.K. Rowling wrote the script and she doesn't know how to write scripts yeah they need to divorce entirely from J.K. Rowling I agree but I'm just saying which I think they did they did I'm pretty sure that that means J.K. Rowling no longer has any creative control in the Harry Potter universe she's still getting paid but she has no more creative control I assume they bought her out they're like we'll give you however much right just can we not put your name on this I'm pretty sure her name's still going to be on it, but can you just not do it anymore? Yeah. We'll put your name on it. We'll give you the money. Just you're not part of this because Crime of Grindelwald was so negatively reviewed. I like that movie, but I know I'm in the, the 1% of Well, that. here's the thing. like My friend Becca, you know Becca. Yeah. Becca for the audience. Um, she's jazzed on Harry Potter. Right. Her and her family love it. I remember, uh, and I saw Crimes of Gunnarold with her, like, the first time I, was, I went up for her entire family, they, like, waited for me to come back, it was very touching, um, and we saw it, we had to drive across town to, like, the one theater that was still playing it, because mm-hmm. by Christmas, only one theater in Vegas was still playing that movie, Yeah. and we walked out of it, and we were like, nothing really, that wasn't great, nothing really happened, and that's, again, J.K. Rowling not a good screenwriter Mm -hmm. but that being said it just feels to me as though it feels as though this universe doesn't really have a strong direction or selling point to general audiences because yeah everyone likes Harry Potter movies but like not everyone likes movies based off of a character who wrote a textbook in Harry Potter universe. Valid. And But I also think one of the strongest things that Harry Potter could do is my same argument for Star Wars, they need to remove themselves from the the time and place where the one big thing happened. Uh, okay. Like they need to go forward or backwards, but not the way they did. Because like Dumbledore's still a big player, Grindelwald's still a big player, like we need to be in the wizard universe. It still exists, but it has to be like before anyone was even talking about Grindelwald or Voldemort or but like, anything like that. But do you or, think general audiences want to see like what the wizarding world was like in the 1870s? Uh, yeah. Do you honestly in your heart think that that's what general audiences want? You know? Like... Everybody saw the original Harry Potter movies, and to to see like, oh, they're gonna do like X Men Origins Harry Potter movies, like uh, for that's, that's reductive, but yeah, um, I I think more people than you think would see it, but probably less people than I think would see it. I mean, it's somewhere between our two opinions. I think that like the best bet. Uh, would be, you know, I don't even know. I don't even... There's not enough money in the world to get Dan Radcliffe back. No, I don't think that that wouldn't even come out of my mouth. I think that's a terrible idea. 
I think that might be the one thing that could that might be one of the like ten things that could maybe fix this universe. I think they need to bench it. I think that they, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they should, but I bet they probably will just finish out these Fantastic Beast movies. Mm-hmm. Um, if for no other reason than just the sunk cost principle, I think they might consolidate it a bit. I might, th- I think they might be like, okay, no, you don't get, you don't, you don't get three more of these. You get two more. Possibly, I if I was a studio to be like absolutely not. These are the returns are diminishing. Like, because I mean, on the two hundred million dollar budget, Fantastic Crimes of Grindelwald making six fifty, that's just barely breaking even. When you, when uh, you, well, when you factor in marketing and stuff, factor in marketing puts you around three fifty to four. It had an aggressive marketing campaign though. To try and distance itself. But it was all the same shit. They didn't have to pay for any of it. They just had to pay for printing. I don't know. Because it was like the same like nine pictures they used across the entire two-year marketing campaign. No, I mean... No, it was a really aggressive mark. I was there. So was I. No. I, I was... advertised for the movie. <laughs> I didn't know that. Was yeah. Hmm. We'll talk about this later. Um, <laughs> like... I just think that... Uh, that sounded way too aggressive when I said that. That was not intended to be aggressive. No, I don't think it was aggressive. I was just uh, feeding into your tone, which was sort of like... I we, were, we were razzing with each other. Yeah, we were... We love each other very much. We do. Yeah, we're not going to get in a fight at all. <laughs> no. I... Yeah, it's the lowest grossing Wizarding World installment, though. Crimes of World. I'm looking at it right now. I know. I think that that may be... And here's the other thing. Like, I know the general audience is like conscious consumers, but I also don't think that like... How do I say this? I don't know how many general audiences care whether or not Johnny Depp maybe beat his wife at the time. That's that's fair. Like, I think if the general audience wanted to go see this movie, they would have seen this movie. And again, I don't know how, what the box office returns on the next one are going to be. And I don't know if they would have been better if Johnny Depp was in it, or if they're going to be hurt, if they're going to be better for him not being in it. But here's, here's my thing. I think you're 100% correct. I think that they didn't lose the general audience here. They lost the fan base. That's the 200 million that's missing. I... General audiences saw this movie all the same. And a handful of the fan base stuck around. Are you saying this as someone who is very plugged into the Harry Potter fan base? Yes. Okay. Um, I know, I think in the Harry Potter fan base, more people who pirated that movie than watched it in theaters. And I'm very active in that group. Okay. Um, who either pirated it or like bought a used DVD or borrowed a DVD from a friend. Like that movie's been watched far more times than the price reflects. No, I know. And um, it like the the general audience is not what was lost there. It was the fan base. And with the divorce, hopefully that's what that means of J.K. Rowling. And also, with the divorce from Johnny Depp, 
um, whether that's a good or bad thing, I think that might sort of lure some of the... But conversely, though... Fan base back in. But also conversely, Fantastic Beasts Trans the World, to be general, was not well received by general audiences. No, but it I don't was, necessarily think that was... I, I think there's too many fingers to point there. Well, no, here's what I'm saying, though. It was... I'm looking at it right now. The criticisms is that needlessly complicated, overburdened, low-stakes plot, too self-involved with setting up further sequels as opposed to furthering the narrative within. So, yeah, you know, separating from J.K. Rowling and all that stuff might bring back some of the fan base, but I think they might have lost general audiences all the same, too, you know? Like, I... We've been talking about this for about half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, we shouldn't talk about Eddie the Eagle. We should. All right. Okay. So, Edith and the Eagle win. Edith and the Eagle win. What do you think? I loved it. <laughs> I had a ton of fun with it. Um, I said this to August earlier. I don't know if... The audience knows this. Um, it's not necessarily my favorite genre of movies, but it's one that I like consistently enjoy the most, and that's sports movies. Um, and this one most assuredly did not disappoint. It's fair. Um, so, why don't you recap the story of the Eagle? Uh, okay, so in... England in the uh, 60s and 70s growing up there was a, a wee little lad or the 70s and 80s um, there was a wee little lad named uh, Eddie Edwards and he wanted more than anything to be uh, an Olympiad he wanted to go to the Olympia to the Olympics he didn't care what he went for uh, he just wanted to be an athlete at the Olympics and this kid um had a lot of health problems in his young life, was not incredibly physically adept, not particularly athletic. But he's like, I'm going to the Olympics. I don't care how I do it. Um, about halfway through his journey, he's probably about 12, and he's 22 or 23 for the rest of the movie, um, he realizes that he's been going about this all wrong, and he needs to go to the Winter Olympics, because England doesn't really participate in them as much, and so he's got a better shot. Right. And also, he hasn't tried the sports before, so maybe he'll be better at them. Mm-hmm. Turns out he's pretty good at downhill skiing, but because of, um, you know, angry old British guys, they're like, Eddie, you're never going to go to the Olympics. This is also based off a true story uh, for downhill skiing. They're like, you suck. And he's like, I'm better than everyone else on the team. And they're like, well, we don't want you to go. Because classism? Maybe classist, maybe ableist, maybe just mean. Um, or some combination of the above. Right. And uh, so he decides he's going to be a ski jumper, which he has never tried before, and the Olympics are in one year. Mm -hmm. So he goes to Germany to try and learn how to be a ski jumper and finds this drunk American guy who is apparently a uh, great ski jumper from back in the day uh, who reluctantly teaches him how to ski jump and then he goes to the Olympics, and we see what happens. We do see what happens. Um, <laughs> what did uh, so let's uh, what are some stand-up performances? Taron Egerton is such a good actor, man. Put him in more things. He is. He really nailed the 
the mannerisms of this dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, he gives a really good performance. Yeah. It's not necessarily dissimilar to a lot of roles that Hugh Jackman plays, but it's also like, yeah, he's really good at it, and it's he's. We've seen him do many other things as well, so it's not like a he can only do the one thing. Yeah. But he's just real good at that one thing. I mean, he's not a real person, so... The coach isn't? He's more of like an amalgamation of... Oh, interesting. ...a few people kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, something I really find interesting about this... So Matthew Vaughn produced this. He didn't direct it. Yeah. But he produced it. And you can tell. Like, there was a yeah. particular part where Jesse was like, Oh, that was very Matthew Vaughn. And I would have never thought the Matthew Vaughn style would lend itself so well to sports movies yeah like I was gonna say something but then I realized what I was gonna say was gonna be wrong what were you gonna say that maybe the Matthew Vaughn style lends itself more to autobiographical movies but then I realized that the three movies I'm thinking of are not made by Matthew Vaughn they're made by this guy yeah yeah uh yeah and that guy's style works great for autobiographical movies uh, Dexter Fletcher is his name mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's like, there's like shots of in this movie where skiing feels so action packed. I mean, I I do think skiing's action packed. I like I'm a skier, but like Jesse isn't for context. I'm not, I I personally think skiing is action packed. I don't think ski jumping is action packed. I think it's probably adrenaline filled. Well, here's the funny thing, but because like, I watched you, Jesse watch this movie, and yeah, uh, on this podcast, there's maybe been like um. I've like four things of all the stuff we've done that we watched together, together. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget this because it was kind of hilarious because the first time we see Ski jumping in this movie, Jesse laughed at how kind of stupid it looks. There's kind of be like, ooh, you kind of like do the like the Superman jump from the Soldier Boy dance like right. on the ski. But then by the end of the movie, he was like, he was like cheering I've never seen Jesse more hyped for a movie than this I was incredibly hyped like he was like ski jumping let's go so yeah uh should we just hop into spoilers and give us a grade uh yeah I feel like we might as well if if you sat through all that news you're a true fan and you probably want to just hear us talk about spoilers anyway (laughs) I mean and also you know like it's history. <laughs> right, it's history, so there's not really much we can talk about without spoiling. Yeah. Um, so what do you rate it? I give this movie an A. A plus, A minus, just A? Just A. I agree. I, uh... Movie fucks. I saw it on a flight to uh, Spain, and I saw it on the flight back, because so I was like, I'm going to watch Eddie Eagle again. Yeah, because it fucks. And I... Just... I might add like the opening theme of this movie to my workout mix, you know, just the do 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 ba da ba da da. It's not hype at all, but it is incredibly uplifting and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Fantastic! Like, we'll be doing some I can definitely imagine like running to it or something. Maybe yeah. not like lifting, but I can do a cardio to it. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, all right, so in spoilers, what were some fantastic moments for you? Um, maybe my favorite moment might be the moment with Eddie and what's his bucket in the elevator. 
Uh, yes, I had stuff to talk about that. Uh, Maddie. Yeah, Maddie. I'm not going to say his last name. Uh, he's a real person. Mm-hmm. So, there's a moment where uh, Eddie is going up to the elevator. like To, to do a... Uh, he, he's been practicing this whole time on 15, 40, and 70 meter runs. And then he all of a sudden, at the Olympics, decides to do the 90 meter. Yeah. And he's never done that before. And he's going to do it at the Olympics. Right. To be taken seriously, yeah. Yeah. And then he gets in the elevator to go do it and has this moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So he has this moment with this guy, Maddie, who is the, the world champion uh, Olympic ski jumper. And there's this line I find so interesting. And Maddie, uh, so he talks about how they are the only ones who do this, do this out of love. Yeah. And then he says, we're the only two who have a chance at making history today. Mm-hmm. And it's so weirdly profound, you know? It really is. So he, has, he has one metaphor that he discusses that I actually really, really dig. What metaphor? Um, he didn't expand on it as much as I'm about to, but he, he like, the quote is, you and me are, like, 1 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Much closer together than people realize. Huh. Like, they're, they're very close together, but also very far apart in the traditional way of thinking. Right. But they're close together in that they're, they're the ones who are doing this because they love to do it. Yeah. And he, he also has a line, Maddie, about how he would rather do his best and finish last than do anything less than his best and finish first. Yeah. Because Maddie or uh, Eddie comes in the elevator and is like, oh, congratulations on your gold medal. And he's like, ah, it wasn't my best. Yeah, I'd rather do my best and finish last than give anything less than my best and finish first. Mm-hmm. And it's well, it's so interesting to me because um, I like the idea that I never really, you never really think about it like um because there's always like that whole if you're not first you're last kind of stuff you know but especially like, in sports movies yeah but it's interesting the idea that like. People are going to remember the guy who wins and the guy who comes in last. Right. And you see that. Like, you really see that shine through. Because that Maddie guy doesn't have a movie about him. No. I mean, that I know of, but like... Because his story's not inspiring. Yeah. It, it, every sports movie is either about... It, most sports movies are about the guys who almost win. Right. A handful of them are about the guys who win-win. And I don't think I've seen one about the guy who finishes dead last. But his story is by far one of the most inspiring I've seen in any sports movie. Did I? And my favorite movie of all time is a sports movie. Did... I can't think. Did the Cool Runnings guys come in like last last? Or I thought they... Or they didn't even technically finish, did they? Yeah. Yeah, because they're sled broke. It's also yeah. so crazy that these are the same Olympics. Yeah, and they mentioned something in this movie about the Jamaican bobsled team, and I'm 95% certain that Nicole Running say something about like that eagle guy. I think they do. I saw it back like last year, like, and I think they do mention. It. I think he might actually cameo in it, not like the actual guy, but I think there's like a like oh yeah, hi, Maddie, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And then this was the Winter Olympics after the Miracle on Ice, if I'm not mistaken, right? I believe so. Because I think the Miracle on Ice was 84. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I love this movie. And I also love this movie's soundtrack. It's so fantastic. It's so oh, it's great. 
So, like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like, God, it's so good. Um, they had this moment where, uh, they, like, they kind of play, they play, like, the score as he's doing the 90-meter jump, and then he lands, and then it, like, bleeds into jump by yeah. Van Halen, and I'm like, oh, that was fucking sweet. It, it was pretty sweet. I wish that more than anything that, uh, you guys could watch, Jesse watch this movie. Because, again, Jesse's never skied before. No. And I'm sitting here, and he kind of laughed at, like, how stupid it looks to ski jump at the beginning. But just how into he was by the end, he's like, come on, Eddie. Oh, yeah, and I almost cried. I actually successfully did cry. He cried at the end. Um, Yeah. Movie fucks. It does fuck. Um, What else? Is there anything else you want to talk about in this movie? Uh, I just... I really love a good, uplifting story, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Are there a lot of... Uh, what's another People's Champion movie? Cool Runnings was a bit... Um, yeah. But not quite so much so. Um, yeah. It was just very uplifting, like... You, you you get into it. You get excited, and I'm like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna see where he, uh, I wanna see what happens next. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do some research about Eddie the Eagle Edwards and see what what he did after the '88 Olympics. He uh, held it actually until 2001. Really? Yeah. And then he. Uh... Well, because if I'm not mistaken, Britain didn't put forth another ski jumper for a little bit. I think on purpose. Uh, so he didn't qualify for the next games, or the games after that. Sure. Uh, and he also didn't qualify for the games after that, and then by that time he was like... I can't ski jump anymore. But, uh, okay. Following the widespread attention that Edwards received in Calgary shortly after the Olympics finished, the entry requirements were made stricter, making it nearly impossible for anyone to follow his example. The IOC instituted what became known as the Eddie the Eagle Rule, which required Olympic hopefuls to compete in international events and be placed in the top 30% or the top 50 competitors, whichever is fewer. Yeah. So, they were like, not again, that's not happening again. Yeah. And then he, uh, he was the torchbearer for the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. Good. (laughs) And he released a book. In the video. Uh, he competes in charity ski jumping events. Oh, that's cool. Including, uh, he raised 23,000 euro wow. pounds for children in need by jumping over 10 cars using a ski jump made of scaffolding. Yeah, that's pretty neat. He does a lot of advertising stuff. Good for him. Yeah, he seems to be doing good. Um, well, that's, that's one of the things I really, really love about this movie is... It's not about an Olympian. Yeah. It's about... This guy. A, a guy. Yeah. Who goes to the Olympics because he wants to and because he's willing to put in the dedication to get there, but not because he was brought up in it his whole life, not because he's been training since he was five years old for this moment. Like, he, he just was willing to do the work to get there, and he was a regular dude. He was, and it's crazy because, you know, <laughs> compared to Cool Runnings, 
which is like objectively a comedy, you know? Yeah. Because like the premise of Cool Runnings is, isn't it funny that Jamaica has a bobsled team? I. I mean, I get that. I get that's a bit reductive, but that's the premise. Like a little bit, yeah. Like that's how it's pitched. Yeah. Like, oh, Cool Runnings. Jamaica has a bobsled team. Isn't that just wacky? Again, a bit reductive, but you get what I'm saying, right? I think a lot reductive, but yeah. But, like... And it'd be so easy to make this, like, a comedy. About, like, this buffoon who... Oh, 100%. (laughs) Stumbles into being an Olympian on, like, a technicality. Yeah. Like... That's, like, the B-plot of a sitcom. Right. Like... Like, you could imagine the How I Met Your Mother episode where Barney is like, oh, I'm technically an Olympian. That yeah, yeah, yeah. episode, the um, marathon episode is basically what you just described. Yeah, exactly. So, what I'm just saying is, I very much like that it's very earnest. Agreed. It's one of the most earnest films I've ever seen, and you know, I'm the, uh, I'm the cynic of the podcast and all. I, I I agree with you as the resident but, optimist. I was gonna say, I really um, really like the uh, at my at my old age. I'm really becoming uh, more sold on earnest stuff, and I think that's why I like something like uh, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, and he's still uh, the sixth best all time British ski jumper. Good for him. He is, uh, and yeah, he has actually a lot of. Um, here we go. Uh, he had to wear six pairs of socks to make the boots he had a fit. He was uh, 20 pounds heavier than the next heaviest guy on the team. And that was at like 181 pounds. Uh, and he was totally self-funded and very far-sight. Yeah. God, that's crazy. It is. What a guy. Truly. He... I, I just... I love stories like this. And they're so cool. And they're so good. Also, yeah. like, stylistically, this movie rocks. It does. It's very, like... It's delightful. Mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman's fantastic in this. I feel like I need to say that again. I agree. I also very much like this movie's uh, training montage sequence. It was great. Yeah. Also, there are some hilarious jokes involving... Uh, Hugh Jackman's character specifically. Yeah. As well as many other hilarious jokes. Yeah. His, uh, my jacket. Yeah, his, his jacket bit that keeps coming back is actually really funny. And then he's so. But like, then winds up turning from like a, like a funny joke to a, like a actually like cool kind of heartfelt moment. Yeah. What a man. And they underplay it a lot, which I actually appreciated. Yeah. Is how like heartfelt that that specific moment is it's a very earnest movie and a lot of the comedy is like uh quite subtle i would say not 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 subtle but you know what i mean like that right it, they're not like look at this joke we're making you just laugh because it's funny yeah which don't get me wrong i love movies where they go like look at this joke we're making army so funny but also uh the the you laugh because it's funny not because you're asked to is very there's something very real and well there's also a lot of visual that. jokes that i really like yeah it's just a great movie um Go out and watch it. It's very inspiring. Please. Makes me want to ski. I was looking at ski jackets while we were watching it. He was. Yeah. Uh, I even ignored Jesse because he was like, trying to say something. I was like, no. 
I was. Yeah, he was too invested in the ski jacket, so he didn't care about me. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what are we doing next week, Jesse? Next week, we are finally... Allegedly. Allegedly. Talking <laughs> about Doom Patrol. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, that is the plan, provided all things go according to plan, you know. Things are always up in the air, and we are a couple of college-age kids yeah. running this podcast. Yes. You know, not everything always goes exactly according to plan, but the plan is Doom Patrol, and hopefully a little bit lighter on news. Hopefully. <laughs> Otherwise, y'all are going to be in, in for a <laughs> four-hour like four hour episode. The entirety of the Irishman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh I was about to say something about like what I think of Doom Patrol. We know we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. I mean, you maybe know, he hates it. I might just. <laughs> spoiler alert: He doesn't. Spoiler alert: Jesse does. Uh, spoiler alert: Jesse doesn't. <laughs> Jesse uh, likes it a lot. Yeah. All right. Uh, and we'll have our first guest allegedly. Very first guest allegedly. <laughs> all right. Uh, so until then, stay sticky. Stay sticky, my friends. Fly like an eagle. <laughs> How's my eagle hop? Uh, it was mediocre. Ooh. Um, I got a, I got a, I got a notification that the feedback was on. So I hope none of you guys got absolutely ear demolished by that. Yeah. Squawk, 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 squawk. Actually, we're both in our ducks jerseys. We are. My ducks jerseys. Well, yeah. Quack, quack. All right. All right. See you next week, friend.